Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 883. Well, in endurance racing, uh, they like to say you probably can't win it all in one corner, but you can definitely lose it all in one corner. You don't overdrive your ability. And that's very true when you're doing these races. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jeff Block. Hey, Jeff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I surely am. All right. And those uh, blue lights I saw in my rearview mirror are a friendly stop today by uh, Officer Jeff Block. And I'll explain a little (laughs) bit more about that in a second. Jeff Block, better known as Speedy Cop, has been a police officer for nearly 22 years. He's also a fun-loving car enthusiast and an adrenaline junkie with a very creative and competitive spirit. Put those things together and you get his own unique brand of automotive mayhem. As a police sergeant in D.C., he rides a horse downtown, on the White House, and on the National Mall. As the captain of Speedy Cop and the Gang of Outlaws, he designs and builds the most unusual race cars for the 24-hour of Lemons. Yeah, I said Lemons, not Le Mans series. It is. <laughs> <laughs> With more than two dozen lemon builds already in, he and his team keep raising the bar for creativity and drinking that lemonade. So, Jeff, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your fun with cars, your career, and uh, a little bit more? Sure. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad to be here. I started as a cop in 96, so I've been a policeman almost 22 years, and I uh, was known for being very fleet of foot. I ran fast, I talked fast, I drove fast. So I got the nickname Speedy Cop. (laughs) So you combine that with my love of automobiles and my love of racing, and I'm actually fairly decent behind the wheel. I've held my own with the likes of Tony Stewart and Randy Popst. Whoa. But uh, I've been doing the, the policing for 22 years, and now racing for even longer than that. I started before I was a cop. So uh, it's a fun hobby, and it's really an obsession for me. Uh, the law enforcement, even though it's my full-time job and has been all this time, it's kind of my side gig these days. I'm so busy with the automotive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We've actually done more than two dozen cars just for the 24 Hours of Lemon series since 2009 when we started, my team and I. My wow. team is the Gang of Outlaws, so together we're Speedy Cop and the Gang of Outlaws. And we build <laughs> the most unusual cars, I believe, in the entire series for the Lemon series. It's an absolute blast. What we try to do every time we go out there with one of these cars, we try to build stuff that's just insanely cool and ridiculous and over the top. Mm -hmm. We used to build more conventional race cars, but we found the fun is in building stuff that no one's seen before and that just blows your mind when you see it go by on the racetrack. Uh, Yeah, no doubt. And first and foremost, thank you very much for your service as a police officer. Really appreciate that. And I think it's cool that you you ride a horse, which is not the fastest way to get around, but a lot faster than on foot. But that's kind of cool. But tell us uh, briefly before I jump into the questions, maybe one or two of the more unique car builds that you've built for the Le Mans, Lemons series. I always want to say Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because most people who don't know the series say that as well. They get used to Le Mans in France and, you know. Yep. This is a spoof on it, but it's definitely for lemons. It's budget series for $500 cars. Yeah. Uh, and you can do whatever you'd like to do uh, as far as making the car cool, fun, or interesting. And you can spend what you want to spend on that. But as far as performance, you're limited to that $500 build and you know, uh, purchase cost combined. Sure. So, uh, you know, things like my crazy, I've got a 1956 Cessna 310 aircraft that was abandoned for 40 years. It's sat in a, uh, 
a local airfield just rotting away. The wings were or the uh, wings were beat up. The tail section was gone. The fuel tanks were gone. There was animals living inside of it. But I had been looking for one for a long time, a plane to use as a project to make a race car out of. Uh-huh. Uh, just because one of these things that had never been done. And uh, I picked up that plane for 2000 bucks. So you'll say, well, that's way above the limits. The limits, uh, you know, cost limit of $500. But it actually doesn't matter because that airplane fuselage is sitting on an 87 Toyota van that was under the budget limit. So you're actually driving the 87 Toyota van. <laughs> it see. just looks like a vintage Cessna fuselage. Yeah. So those kind of things, you can you can really spend what you want to spend as far as making them cool. Now, we do everything we do on a very tight budget. I mean, shoestring budget. My wife and I work full time. We have no kids. And all of our income goes into this hobby. So you know what? We're absolutely loving what we do. We really enjoy it. Our teammates really enjoy it. And I think that our, our fans really enjoy it as well. We, we build stuff that's just so outlandish and unusual. The, uh, the upside down Camaro was a very viral hit when it came out. We did a 99 Camaro convertible that actually races upside down. It looks like an inverted car when you see it. <laughs> and uh, you do a head scratch. And it was funny because the, uh, the track uh, officials and race officials had seen the car the day before up close, point blank. The other racers had seen it point blank. And the next morning on the racetrack, Every time we came around, they grabbed the red flag and panic because the heart tells them that, you know, <laughs> up that car, upside down, it's wrong, it's not right, you know. But uh, that's the, what we're going for. I mean, we want to wow people and blow their minds with these bills that we do. So we try to go above and beyond each time. That's a pretty ingenious little trick there to get everyone else to hit the brake pedal when, when you go by upside down. I think that's cool. And the kind of oxymoron you got going here with Speedy Cop and the Gang of Outlaws, I mean – Everything is brilliant with what you're doing. I love it. And that's why I'm, uh, oh, I'm really you. happy to have you on the show here. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning upside down or right side up here on Cars. Yeah. So, Jeff, take the wheel. So I actually really like Vince Lombardi's quote, winners never quit and quitters never win mm. because my mentality has always been, and I say it all the time, I say, never give up, never surrender. And mm-hmm. it's not just a cheesy quote from some you know movie called Galaxy Quest back in the 90s. <laughs> it's actually like words to live by for us. Yeah. We don't give up, even when common sense says we should or, you know, everybody around us would have thrown in the towel. Mm-hmm. We are known for kind of sticking it out and doing whatever it takes to go above and beyond to get that car back on the track, get that repair made. However, outside the box or you know, creative, we have to be to make it happen. And we actually do. We make it happen. Uh, Jay Lamb, the guy who owns the Lemon Series, who founded it, he calls it stick to So we've got stick to we, uh, we stick with it. Even when it comes to pulling all-nighters to you know, repair a car at the track to go back on track the next day or whatever it is. We do what it takes to get it done. Well, it's very cool. And you know, what comes to mind is the age-old saying, when given a lemon, make lemonade. And that's definitely, it sounds like what you guys do with this whole series. And when you have situations that call for all-nighters or whatever it might take to get back on the track, yeah, you're definitely making lemonade out of lemons. That's for sure. I love it. <laughs> well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. I'm guessing you've been a car guy for a long time. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized you were indeed that car guy? You know, I think I was about five years old when my uncle took me for a ride in a parade in his rumble seat Model A. And uh, I was just so wowed by that. Now, he used to call it the mother-in-law seat because the, <laughs> yes. the trunk folds backwards to reveal a seat. And, uh, you know, the people, the relatives you didn't want to have inside the vehicle, you put back there in the, in the <laughs> trunk where they rode outside the vehicle. Yep. But that was just the coolest thing in the world to me. And his love of cars was infectious. And uh, ever since then, I've just been completely hooked on cars. I had to kind of teach myself. My dad wasn't really a mechanical guy. I think he did his own oil changes like twice. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my first car was a 67 Chevelle uh, station wagon that my grandma drove off the showroom floor. It was a six-owner, three on the tree. My mom learned to drive on it. My older sister learned to drive on it. I learned to drive on it. And that was my first car when I was in high school. And that's not the coolest, you know, first car to have when you're in high school back in the uh, 80s. Yeah. 
uh, let's just say, or I guess it was the late 80s, early 90s, the uh, the ladies didn't care for it. The guys thought it was cool. Yeah. I wound up painting it red with black stripes and all. But uh, yeah, the ladies were like, ew, station wagon. You know, <laughs> now that's like the coolest car to have. And I have yet to see another 67 Chevelle wagon. I didn't know I had a unicorn when I had it. But I've just loved cars ever since. Well, good luck when you drive up to that house to pick up that date and the father looks out the window and sees a station wagon. It's like, nope. <laughs> right. Not going out with him. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. So they definitely were not cool at the time, but they've they've caught on since then. And now I just think wagons are the greatest. So I've had a bunch of them over the years. I love wagons. They're great. So, Jeff, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down, crawl under the hood, and uh, have you talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. This could be in your life, in career, your racing, whatever it might be. But the most important part of these situations are the learning lessons they become for us. So take us to yours, walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your life. We've had a lot of challenges over the years. I think the biggest one that we've actually attacked and overcome would be the uh, the Speedy Copter. It's what we call our uh, road racing helicopter. Now, it's an actual Vietnam attack helicopter, a 1969 Bell uh, OH-58 Kiowa attack chopper. Wow. So it served in Vietnam as an attack chopper. Then it served in a federal drug task force. Then actually it was used for parts for Nashville's four police choppers. And after being parted out for them, it washed away in a flood. But it was a countable government property. They had to bring it back. So they brought it back, sold it on a JSA auction, and it's this... At this point, it's a completely beat up shell of fuselage with nothing inside of it and missing doors and tail and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was what I needed to build you know, a successor for the airplane car. So I had to, I was looking for a chopper for quite a while. I had to find one cheap enough. And you can't find a cheap helicopter fuselage. They're just not out there. So at 3100 bucks, this is the cheapest one I could find. So we snatched it up. We went out there and the guys at the Nashville police were great. They thought what we were doing was really cool. We're taking their old beat up helicopter and making it into a race car. And they knew we'd actually follow through with it because they'd seen the pictures of the airplane and things. So, uh, they actually raided their sheds and gave us some doors they had laying around and some old uh, expired rotors and things like that that we were able to use to really complete the look of this thing. But the challenge arose in making it – see, I'm not an engineer. I'm a cop, right? I have no engineering training. Everything I do as far as mechanics and welding and fabrication is self-taught. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know what you don't know, right, when you're self-taught. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we make it up as we go, and I kind of just engineer it out in my head, and then I try to explain to my crew what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. So this was a tough one. I didn't want it to look like a helicopter fuselage slapped on a car chassis. I wanted it to look like an actual helicopter that had landed or that was, you know, intact sure. racing around a track. Yeah. So helicopters normally come with skids and that won't hide any kind of chassis underneath. But if you use pontoons to hide the chassis, you can hide the vehicle chassis and create a helicopter that looks really cool. So I had to actually source pontoon boat pontoons. I bought a whole pontoon boat for seven fifty. Sold the trailer uh, for five hundred. I had all of two fifty in the pontoon boat itself, and it was an old mess. But it has a uh, a twenty four foot pontoon boat with pontoons that would work for us, aluminum. So I cut them down to twenty feet. We actually foam filled them, gave them relief cutouts for the wheels, and when it was finished, it looked like a pontoon equipped helicopter had just landed. So it was the look we were going for. But me being me, I have to over engineer it and one up myself. So. I didn't want to use an outboard motor to push it through the water. I wanted it to be actually amphibious, but I also wanted it to, you know, be street legal on road racing. Right. When it was all said and done, we accomplished all three. But the mistake I made was I used an Audi Quattro drivetrain, a three-liter, 30-valve setup. It was a nice, lightweight V6, 220 horsepower. So on paper, it was ideal. But people tried to tell me that particular model Audi engine is not known for reliability, and I wouldn't listen. Mm. I engineered it where the motor was mounted in the rear. The front drive shafts drove the rear wheels, and the rear drive shaft that would have gone to the rear diff actually drove a four-blade parasail boat prop. So oh it did work. <laughs> it did race on track, and it did push it through the water. We put it in the lake, and it, it was indeed amphibious. But it was a 
poor design in that you couldn't really access the engine to service it properly because it was buried beneath the rear seat. So when it was working, it was great. You could still seat four passengers in the chopper. Uh, <laughs> when it didn't work, you couldn't fix it in a timely manner. And this is a race car. So we got it all done. We got to the track late. We finally get through tech, and we're going to road race the first you know, helicopter in the world. And uh, it dropped the valve and granted the motor after two laps. Oh, no. Complete heartbreak. Oh. Yeah, so... And it was running on maybe two of the six cylinders after that. It sounded like a, a Briggs and Stratton with no muffler. I mean, it was just horrible. <laughs> yeah. So we decided, you know what? We told everybody it's amphibious. We're going to go down to the lake, put it in the water, and drive around and prove it. And we'll we go did. race in the and lake. And the motor finally, yeah, it finally gave up the ghost in the lake itself. So we had to pull it back out with a truck. But we proved it. You know, it would race on the track and race, you know, in the, well, not race in the water, but drive in the water as well. And we later took that thing on a road trip all the way to Alabama with a lemons rally. And we had a blast with it. But on that trip, the transmission started slipping really bad. So by the time the trip was over, we had to trailer at home. It just uh, wasn't driving. You know, it yeah. wouldn't step to speed. It was slipping so badly. So we lost the motor, replaced that, lost the trans, replaced that. And then a few weeks ago, absolute disaster struck. We had it, the transmission back in it. We had it running, driving perfectly. It looked amazing. We were driving it to Philadelphia for a, a media event, and it caught fire. It was about two hours from home. Oh, my gosh. Driving along like 60 miles an hour, and it essentially burst into flames and within minutes was gone completely. I mean, nothing left. Oh, no. Just a total heartbreaker. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about 3,000 hours worth of labor and effort. And, you know, it was a kind of a crown jewel for our fleet. Right. Just being so over the top, just insanely over the top. It was oh. really cool. Even the shifter inside was the actual Vietnam, like, joystick, like, fire control mechanism with all the switches and buttons on it. Yeah. And that was the shifter inside of it. So really cool build, and it's just gone. And it turns out, I didn't know this. They used a lot of magnesium in those things mm. to save weight. And uh, we know about magnesium. And yeah. once it catches fire, you can't put it out. Nope. So this went from a, it went from a little fire, I think, in the wiring harness to a massive inferno in moments. It was just, it was scary. So uh, thank God my buddy driving it did not get hurt. Yeah. So no injuries. And that's what matters. We can always build something else cool. But yeah, the, the speed copter is no more. Oh my gosh, what a story. Jeez, the self-destruction of the helicopter race car. Oh wow. Well, what yeah, a life what a life that chopper lived, you know, when you think back, my goodness, right? all the things that that chopper saw and all the service that it gave. So, uh, let's all stand and salute the chopper as we see it go down in flames here. Oh my goodness. Well, let's shift gears and maybe talk about something <laughs> a little more joyful. Yeah, that would be right, right. that would be a career aha moment or a life aha moment. Something that stands out for you. Is there one that you would like to share with us? Well, I built more conventional race cars for years. I built dirt track cars and did a lot of demolition derbies and drag race cars and things like that. And then with this 24 Hours of Lemon series, they encourage creativity over just raw speed. So I started building more unusual stuff, and I found that it's really more fun to flog a terrible car at 10 tenths than it is to flog a properly sorted car. Because uh, you can predict a properly sorted car, and you can push it to the limit and you know maintain that edge. So back in 2012, my team and I took a pop-up camper that had been abandoned to a local salvage yard. And we turned it into a race car. We actually put the body of the pop-up camper over my Suzuki X90. We didn't have a roof, so we made a roof for it and put window screens in and stuff. And it, when we were said and done, it looked like an actual pop-up camper. Like sitting there in the paddock, it had two little like wheelbarrow wheels on either side that looked like you know pop-up camper wheels and tires and a propane tank and a hitch on the front. So it looked for all the world like a static pop-up camper just sitting there. But uh, it actually raced like that. And it raced like that at New Hampshire Motor Speedway back in, uh, I think, May of 2012. And Autoblog wrote an article about it that weekend that talked about how it was just so much cooler than anything else racing that weekend to include the uh, Audi debut of its R18 race cars in France at the World Endurance Championships. Okay. And the article was titled, This is Why Lemons is the Best Race Series. And it was like that aha moment where you, you realize 
you don't have to build the fastest thing on the racetrack. You don't have to go out there and win the race. If you go out there and melt brains, people have a better response to it. People, they just, they're more enthusiastic about it. They're more interested in it and they, they're more intrigued by it, if you will. Very cool. I wonder how that pop-up would have done at Spa. <laughs> <laughs> Not so well. Not with those Audis flying around. Yeah, and especially with all the terrain. I think the uh, terrain goes up and down there 800 feet or something all across that track. It's in a big bowl. So, wow. Well, very, very creative stuff that you're doing. Well, how about a proudest moment? I would assume you've had many with all the builds and the, uh, the events you've attended and the things you've survived through. Is there one that stands out for you? There is. Uh, you know, we've done, like I said, more than two dozen cars for this series. And of those vehicles, many were actual lapsed cars, cars we just wanted to go fast in. We built the Mark 8 Lincoln, and then we actually put a five-speed manual trans in that. We had that. By the time we were done with that car, it's a very fast car. In fact, I beat uh, NASCAR champ Tony Stewart on the track at VAR wow. uh, with that car. Very fast car when we were finished with it. Yeah. But nothing ever, it never finished the race in first place. You know, we never won the overall lemons race with it. And that was our goal with it. Then I built two different E36s, my crew and I, and we were trying to win the race with those that didn't work out. Uh, we did an Lexus SC400 and we had real issues with that one with fuel consumption. Car was stone reliable, but it sucked 10 gallons an hour, just like the Lincoln did. And it's kind of hard to win a race when you're fueling every two hours. Yes. We finally built a little Honda Civic hatchback and it had the little uh, 143 horsepower, two liter motor out of a CRV. So it was definitely, you know, the tortoise when it comes to tortoise and hare scenario, mm-hmm. but we could do three and a half hour stints on a fuel cell. Mm-hmm. So after dozens and dozens of efforts of trying to win the overall race itself, we finally got it done at Gingerman in, uh, I think, 2014 on Michigan. And that was the greatest feeling in the world when you cross, you take the checkered flag after you've tried so many times and been stymied so many different ways. I mean, either somebody steps on their pecker or, uh, you know, the car itself breaks or whatever. We get black flag for uh, an error or something like that. But when the planet's finally aligned and we finally pulled off that win, that was a tremendous feeling. Uh, no doubt. Congratulations. Now, when you're on the podium at that race, do you, instead of drinking milk like at the Indy, do you guys drink lemonade? Is that what they have up there? <laughs> Probably should have, but no, usually you crack a cold one once the race itself is over and you just really relax and celebrate. And Enjoy the No, moment. since then we've done the whole uh, drinking the beer out of the, the racing shoe, which I don't really advise. It's no. Not, <laughs> not as fun as you think. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Look, well, let's have a little bit of fun. You talked earlier about uh, being a kid, that, that first car, but how about a first really special car for you? Is there one that stands out? Well, the one that got me really, I mean, the, the Chevelle wagon that I had was a 67. By the time I got it, it was completely rusted out to the point where you could literally reach your arm outside the vehicle from inside because the rockers and stuff were gone. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't really believe in washing cars, and we lived in upstate New York where there's lots of road salt, so his vehicles always rotted really quickly. Uh, and that one was months and months of work for me as a, a teenager, you know, 17 years old. I had it in the barn up behind the house, and I spent all those months. I used, I don't know, gallons of chicken wire or gallons of Bondo with chicken wire and stuff to patch all the holes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't really modify that car. I just did the body work and made it drivable again. Mm-hmm. The first car I really modded was my, uh, in college, I had a 5 Mustang convertible, and it had a car phone back in, I want to say this was 93 when having a car phone was really cool. I mean, yeah. that was a big deal. I mean, it was mounted to the car. You couldn't take it with you, but you could talk f- to somebody from your car. So sure. It was hot stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it had the, the deep dish five-star rims that were popular at the time. It had the saline wing on it. And uh, I, I did a lot of engine work on that car, and I started drag racing it, put gears in it, stuff like that. And that car was just phenomenal. And it was funny because it had a wrapping alarm system. Back in the early 90s, they sold the, uh, <laughs> the Invisibeam Plus 2 wrapping alarm. So it had, you know, 
a deep voice that would rap when people would walk near the car and would want to get back. And just watching people respond to that, especially if they've been drinking, was absolutely priceless because it would just it'd blow their minds. I've you know? never heard of that. The rapping alarm car system. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's pretty cool. Well, you and I share a little something. My first car was a 67 Chevy Nova, but I lived in Southern California and this car was a little old lady's car, basically, that my neighbor's dad got for me. He owned a Chevy dealership. And yeah, it wasn't a very cool car at all compared to some what some of my friends had. But it was great because we put surf racks on it. It could fit five guys in it. We could load surfboards on the top and go to the beach. And uh, and that was certainly fun. But it didn't have a speck of rust in it. Pretty amazing little thing. But often wonder whatever happened to that Nova. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've sold that you really wish you had back in your garage? Oh, like any car enthusiast, I wish I had most of them back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's one one I could say for sure that I just sold a few years ago. We built, uh, you know, most of the vehicles we build, I come up with the ideas and engineer out the uh, the plan and stuff like that. And my team and I build them together. Mm-hmm. But I, I usually try to do stuff no one's done before. And I get these bad ideas. I go online and research and try to find out if they've been done, like the airplane car, or the you know camper race car, or the helicopter car, things like that. But some of the iconic movie cars and stuff you see, you know, especially ones that are popular when you're younger, they stick with you. And it's a car you always wish you'd have, whether it's George Barris's, you know, uh, Batmobile, or in this case, it was the LTT Crown Victoria wagon from uh, Vacation, the movie, the Wagon Queen, Timmy Truckster. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was one of those, yeah, it's one of those awful cars. It was hideous in the movie. You know, it was just, just excess. It was awful, but it was cool. It was iconic. So, you know, the, the old line, you think you hate it now, where do you drive it? Well, I just always loved that movie as a youngster and uh, always thought that car was, was cool. And yep. uh, we decided to build that for the Lemon Series. So we did. We did an exact clone of that car and we raced it. And I sold it after the race. And I wished I hadn't because uh, that was just such a fun car to drive around. Just be a great car to take to parades and things like that. And mm-hmm. we sold it for amazing like 4500 bucks. We had so much effort into that car to build it and get it right. We had dead Aunt Edna on the roof with the luggage <laughs> in the finished pool up there. I mean, it was we had the, the wood grain on the car and, and the, uh, the quad headlights in the front and stuff like that. It really looked the part. It looked like the movie car. We even had the leash from the rear bumper with the, the dog collar on it, you know. <laughs> so a very iconic oh, car and yeah. really fun. And uh, it's one of those, because we're on a, such a tight budget with these builds, we usually sell one car and take the money and build the next. And uh, man, I just wish I had that car back, though. Oh, so yes. Fun. Christy Brinkley and her 308 and Russ drinking a beer with Dad in the desert and Cousin Ed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all the, all the uh, fun Christy stuff. Christy was so hot in that movie. Oh, yeah. I got everybody fired up, that's for sure. But uh, not the budget mm-hmm. for uh, Lemons, so... Uh, couldn't have her in the pit crew. Well, how about a current project you're working on right now? What are you guys up to that have you really excited and fired up for the next car, say? Well, we're right in between Lemons builds right now. We just recently did the uh, Trippy Tippy Hippie Van, which is an actual Volkswagen camper van that races sideways. And when I say sideways, I mean literally on its driver's side. It looks like it's tipped over, and that's how it races. Oh. <laughs> that was a lot of work, and it's a lot of fun. It's a really, it's another mind melter when you see it drive by. It'll just blow your brain. But uh, we're working on what I call the Batmobile. Now, this is a project someone else started and never finished, and they passed away, and it sat in storage for many years, and we picked it up cheap. It's a crazy one-off, eight-wheeled car with two Mazda rotary 12A engines split crank to crank. Uh, so it's a, it's a four-rotor engine. It's uh, you know four axles, eight wheels. The rear is a set of JAG differentials, and the first one has a pass-through like a dump truck would have to power the second axle, which is crazy, custom, amazing machining work and stuff like that. Hmm. And we picked it up cheap on an eBay auction years ago, and you know it was going to be a lemons car, but there's no room inside of this thing for a cage, even though it's 18 feet long, or actually probably a little longer, and like 8 feet wide, which is insane. It's only like 34 inches tall. I mean, it doesn't even come up to your belt buckle. Uh, to get in it, you kind of it's recumbent. You get to, you get in, and scoot down, scoot down, scoot down, until you're almost lying on your back mm-hmm. to be able to drive this thing. 
So we're trying to finish that up right now. We have the engine out of it, and we have our friends, uh, Angel Motorsports down in Virginia Beach. They're rotary experts. They're going through the engine for me because I'm not a rotary expert. I'm learning about these engines as I deal with this car. So uh, lots to learn, especially with a four-rotor. It's a very exotic setup. I'm sure it was extremely costly back when this car was built, which I think was probably late 80s. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is going to be a wild car. It's got gullwing doors and tilt hood, tilt trunk area. Uh, Just complete exotic, completely one-off. Wow, man, the creativity you guys are putting forth blows me away. Kudos to you and your team. This is absolutely spectacular. Well, thank you. It's out there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely out there. Well, this will make the next question very interesting how you answer this. If Jeff was a car, what kind of car would Jeff be and why? Huh, good question. I'd have to say something like a first gen Mustang. Mm-hmm. because I'm not ostentatious or pretentious, and they weren't either. Uh, they were based on a humble chassis, but they were kind of pioneering, and uh, you know, they were a sporty car for the masses. They were fun and affordable, yeah. and uh, it's kind of like the budget racing that we do for Lemons and Chump Car and American Endurance Racing and stuff. You know, you're going out there and doing what the big boys do, but you're doing it at a fraction of the cost, and you're having just as much fun, I promise you. So there you yeah, go. that's a first general thing. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Well, Jeff, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? to design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage. It's where your dream garage comes true. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Okay, Jeff, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? 
Well, in endurance racing, uh, they like to say you probably can't win it all in one corner, but you can definitely lose it all in one corner. You don't <laughs> yes. overdrive your ability. Uh, that's yes. very true when you're doing these races. Uh, yeah, definitely. I've had uh, plenty of racing guests here on the show who are endurance racers that have said very similar things. Kind of like life, you know? <laughs> you <Right>? sometimes <laughs> can't win it in the first corner. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? You know, I've been very blessed to be able to recruit people who uh, want to be part of this kind of madness and get them involved. And I think that they're what has helped us to create so much as a team to have so many different unique builds get done and get out there. These are people that are volunteers, you know, the gang of outlaws. They're kind of an ever-changing eclectic mix of people from all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And we're all doing this as our hobby just for fun. Yeah. And these are the guys and gals that, you know, help me get these builds finished and get them to the track and race them and just make it happen. Kudos to the team. Now, there's a lot of great resources out there as well. Is there one that you would share with the Cars Yow listeners? That's a good question. I'd say the 24 Hours of Lemons website, uh, there's a lot of links there with information for how people who aren't into racing right now but really want to be. Because basically when you race these endurance series, you know, if you have a valid driver's license, you're going to be a licensed race car driver. Just pay the actual license fees for the, the series and then sign up and get involved. And that's how you can go from being a racing enthusiast that watches racing on TV to somebody going out there, going wheel to wheel with 100 plus other cars and driving your ass off for hours on end. It's an absolute blast. I always say it's the most fun you can have legally with your clothes on, and I really mean that. <laughs> fun, fun stuff. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would that person be? So not strictly automotive, but a big automotive icon anyway. I'd say Steve McQueen. I mean, he was the king of cool. He was yeah. the guy that racing motorcycles, racing automobiles. He wasn't just an actor. He was a very talented driver and racer and uh, just such a cool guy all around. I'd have to say Steve McQueen. Yeah, uh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? I had his son, Chad, as a guest here on the show. Uh, great talking with Chad, wow. learning about uh, his dad, or learning about Steve from the son's viewpoint and being reflective on that. Talked a lot about the shooting of the movie Le Mans, their time in France. So uh, if those listeners out there have not heard Chad's show here on Cars yeah, go back and give it a listen. Really, really cool. And he's involved with a great program, Steve McQueen Car Show, that happens every year that benefits a, a kid's school that helps kind of wayward children. That's the school that Steve McQueen ended up at after he came out west and was kind of a street punk and was getting in trouble. And the judge said, you got two choices, jail or school. And thank goodness he took school because uh, he went on, of course, to be a great driver and a great uh, actor as well that entertained all of us. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? So it's a book that's a lot of fun, and it's got a lot of authors all combined, uh, edited by Mike Meyer. It's called How on Fire Are We? Mm. And it's uh, 320 pages with 432 illustrations about the 24 Hours Lemons series and the competitors and the crazy vehicles. And there are so many, not just ingenious folks that are involved in this, but just really creative and talented individuals that put they're all into these race cars, and it's just absolutely fascinating. Oh, fantastic. That's the first time that book has been recommended here. So I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources that Jeff has been so kind to share today on his Cars yeah! show notes page. Everything's listed there with quick, easy links for you to connect, find this book, and everything else Jeff has shared. All right, Jeff, we're up to the checkered flag. This is a fun part. About to go across the finish line with our hands held high. This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy for a car guy like you. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. doesn't matter what it costs. Don't worry about that, but I want you to enjoy it. So you got to drive this car. you got to have fun with it. No garage queens here at Cars Yeah, but I don't think you're a garage queen kind of guy, so I'm not too worried not about so that. <laughs> not so much. What would that vehicle be and why? This might surprise you, but I've always fascinated, been fascinated with this car's story. The Tucker 48. Ooh. People call it the Tucker Torpedo. Yeah. 
that was a car that was so far ahead of its time and so revolutionary. And then, you know, the big three automakers, Ford, you know, Chevy and Chrysler just shut it down. They did everything they could to keep this from going into production and being successful. And uh, even though I think was there 48 cars or something like that actually produced or 51 produced, I guess it was. It was just so far ahead of its time. It had so many revolutionary features and just such a cool car. Yes. You know, this is pretty, pretty cool. I had Sean Tucker on my show. He's Preston Tucker's grandson. He was a guest on the show and uh, they're actually building a Tucker torpedo. You can go follow his Facebook page and see this car because that's the car that was never built basically, uh, designed, I think, on a dinner napkin one night or something like that. Yeah, very, very cool car, very unique car. And uh, those followers of Cars, yeah, I'll put a link on Jeff's page where you can go and see what uh, those guys are up to. And actually, Rob Ida, who's another past guest here on Cars, yeah, is building the Tucker Torpedo. So you can go back and listen to his show here on Cars, yeah, and I'll put a link to his website where you can see all about this build. They're really moving along in this car. It's quite spectacular. I kind of figured that, Jeff, you would pick something very unique for that uh, electric car, for sure. <laughs> and that one is very unique in many, many ways. Well, Jeff, you've taken us on a great ride around the track today. I knew you would. I knew this would be very, very interesting, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners and me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off into the sunset in that Tucker Torpedo? I would. I think that... You know, my motto is never give up, never surrender. It's just kind of words to live by when you do this sort of thing. I mean, if you and in, in life in general, whether you're applying this to endurance racing or your job or your other hobbies, whatever it is, uh, you can't give up. You have to you have to keep at it. Be persistent. Nothing you know, great comes easily. And uh, if you have a dream, you have to follow it no matter what extent you have to go to. So life is too short to just sit and wish you could, you know, do the things you really want to do. You have to pursue those dreams. Yep. No shoulda, coulda, wouldas here on Cars. Yeah, that's for sure. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with all the great builds you and your team are doing? So the most up-to-date is always my Speedy Cop Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have Speedy Cop, you know, for Twitter and other forms of social media. But uh, I also have speedycop.com where they can see things. It doesn't stay up-to-date as much as it needs to, but uh, we're working on that. They can always Google Speedy Cop and find out what we're up to. I'm sure, and Google images, and I'm sure you'll see a lot of very cool pictures of all the different cars that Jeff and his team have built. You should do that, listeners. Uh, this guy has done some very, very wild and creative things. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything on Jeff's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jeff Block, B-L-O-C-H. That page will pop up with links. Check out what these guys are up to. And remember, if you want to go racing, there is a way to do it on a budget. And this just might be the way for you to do it as well. Jeff, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the CarGel listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.